in every country. Dreams, you know we can work together and learn what we need to meet the challenge. Traditional skills and modern techniques. Whatever language you speak, you have a world to offer every day. Welcome to the ISA Science of Arboriculture podcast series. This series was developed by the International Society of Arboriculture and is brought to you by Bartlett Tree Experts, caring for America's trees since 1907. This podcast series offers full-length educational talks by the world's top researchers, educators, and practitioners helping to keep you up to date with developments in the arboriculture industry. Today's talk is by Joe Boggs, Assistant Professor with Ohio State University Extension and Ohio State University Department of Entomology, discussing the challenges of turning the tide on non-native tree pests. It was originally presented at the 2015 ISA International Conference in Orlando, Florida. Okay, well, those in the back, it is good, you, you know, you do have faith that they got rid of the bed bug infestation back there, but that's fine. You know, bed bugs are non-native, I just want to say that. Well, I've put together kind of a, a small, and this is small, a non-native, uh, whoops, a non-native hit list. And when I say small, certainly this is not by any means complete. But you can see quite a few and some that may even surprise you a bit, you know, that I used... Well, Japanese beetles. Well, you know, for those of you in the East Coast, they've been there since the 1930s and are even behaving almost like they're native because population cycle. Those of you in the extreme Midwest, though, this is like a non-native gypsy moth since 1860 or 1869 when they're accidentally introduced. So some of these may be a surprise, but then the non-native hitman list, these are the ones that kill trees. Let's go back, because I'm sure you're thinking, wait a second, Joe Gypsy Moth, I understand that kills trees only if the trees are in trouble to begin with, and you have multiple years of defoliation. But I'm talking about out-and-out tree killers, particularly emerald ash borer and Asian longhorn beetle. Well, do you recognize that one, spotted lanternfly? So far, I've found only one area of the United States, the Allentown, Pennsylvania area. It kills tree of heaven. I could just see you. I knew it. I put that in there and so said, like, well, what's the problem? <laughs> the downside is it is also a major killer of grapes. So in South Korea, for example, now this is a, an Asian, but we, we find it in China, spotted in lanternfly. By the way, it's not a fly. It's actually, it, it looks like a giant aphid because it is related to aphids. In South Korea, though, it has, has wiped out some grapes. It's that bad. So again, sometimes a tree pests, you say, well, that's not a problem, except if it goes to other things, it could be a major problem. However, I think we'd all agree that's the 800-pound gorilla of the non-native pests. Now, those of you in this room, particularly municipal arborists that are dealing with emerald ash borer, you're probably thinking, I beg to differ. And you have a point. We're going to talk about that in a second. But that's the 800-pound gorilla for good reason. By the way, those are the grills on the left. We don't know what the heck that is on the right. Asian longhorn beetle, native to Eastern Asia, China, and the Koreas. Now, I'm talking about turning the tide. You're going to see, though, some, some uh, common themes running through this. Asian longhorn beetle is going to be one of them. 
as a representative of either other non-natives or potential non-natives that we don't know about. I want you all to kind of keep that in your mind. It's not native to Japan that you will read sometimes online that it was found in Japan, and it was, but it's not native and it was eradicated from Japan as far as we know. This is why it's the big gorilla. Now sometimes you'll see the host presented this way, preferred host, rare host trees. I just don't like that. It's like top of the line food only when starving. It just doesn't work that way. I mean, it's kind of not accurate, doesn't hold up to the bovine excrement test. <laughs> I like this, very good host, maples at the top, horse chestnuts. Now count the number of genera. So we've got what, four so far. Now there is something about this list though. I also have the maples are, are ranked at the top for a reason. And again, when we started teaching about Asian longhorn beetles, kind of how can we present this? They're slightly better than horse chestnuts and buckeyes and elms and willows. So I kind of like the food analogy. Now if you're, you know, not a meat eater, may not, but I am, so I love porterhouse steak, which is a little bit better than T-bone, is it not? So maple, porterhouse steak. Why I don't like this idea of rare hosts is that if I can't get steak, I'll have hamburger. It's not rare, it's, well, I like it, it's just whatever I can get, right? If there's no steak, I'll eat hamburger, and so there's the hamburger for ALB. Why that's important, my mind, to do it this way is in China, poplar, non-native poplars are one of the most preferred hosts in its native land. So how in the world would we put these over here as rare? Now some of you are looking at this saying, well Joe, things have changed a little bit, that's 13 genera, but you see I scratched through uh, hackberry because that has been taken off the list uh, as a preferred host. It just has not been confirmed. For example, in Bethel, Ohio, where there's a lot of hackberries, very high Asian longhorn beetle population so far never have found a single hole in hackberry. So the thinking is maybe that was, and of course the, the hosts on the right, I should have said this, are listed most to least based on historic uh, records. Now if you're eradicating in these eradication programs, all these are called high risk trees. Why is that? I like this, you know you guys, there was a good answer, but I could barely hear it. You know, there is, a, there, <laughs> there is a rule that I have, and I'll repeat it tomorrow, and I've used it for years. I love it, I love audience participation. If you don't know the answer, you can still participate by mumbling. <laughs> Those in the back, if, you know, if the bed bugs bite you, you might mumble, you know? But put emphasis on it, you know, don't just uh, <laughs> There you go, that was a good one. High risk trees means that the beetle can develop from egg to adult on that tree. So new adults can emerge from these trees. That's high risk. So the population could be maintained. Okay, emerald ash borer. For those of you fighting emerald ash borer right now, native to northeast China, eastern Siberia, the Koreas, and Japan, host trees. One genus. In what family, by the way? Outstanding, olive family, Oleaceae. Because I know some of you are thinking, well, okay, yeah, it kills all the ash that we have in North America, but what about this thing with fringe tree? What family's fringe tree in? 
also all of family. But it turns out that if you look at the genetics of the trees, in other words, if you do a DNA analysis, it turns out that the white, that white fringe tree is genetically one of our, the closest relatives to our native ash. And you know, taxonomy is changing that way. So it made sense, except if you look at this tree, the Spring Grove Cemetery and Arboretum, good sized tree. Some of you, uh, uh, Steve Foltz has spoken at these programs. He's uh, 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 at Cincinnati Zoo Botanical Garden. Out of this big tree with, in the background, if you could see, there's dead ash in the background, killed by emerald ash borer. One hole. So, Yes, it can infest white fringe tree. Is it a killer? Well, the jury's still out. The jury's still out. At any rate, loss would be appalling if Asian longhorn beetle were allowed to go the route of emerald ash borer. Would you not agree? Twelve genera. But if we combine the two, it would be catastrophic. This is why turning the tide of non-native pests Tree pests is essential, and we're all in it together. We're all in this together because that catastrophic event is played out by a really nice paper. It's a bit dated, 2006, Arboriculture and Urban Forestry by uh, Raup et al., Mike Raup at University of Maryland. You can see they looked around and, and, and did assessments of trees in urban areas, and if you took out the host of, of Asian longhorn beetle as well as emerald ash borer, look where we'd be be in major trouble. This is how we'd feel about it, I'm sure. <laughs> but there's no stopping world trade. These TEUs, 20-foot equivalent units, you've all seen them. You know, they're stacked on the cargo ship, 20 by 8.6 by, by 8, that is a TEU. And that there are many ports of entry. There's no stopping. We benefit from cheap goods both directions. A lot of our employment in this country goes, uh, the, the products go somewhere else. So this isn't going to stop. This isn't going to stop many ports of entry. Use your imagination, right? <laughs> Look at this. This is the largest so far, and there's one being built bigger, the largest container ship in the world. Uh, the CSL Globe. 19,000 TEUs. When I gave this presentation, there was a similar one, or one about Asian longhorn beetle, back in 2011, the largest container ship was 13,000 at that time. They're just bigger and bigger and bigger. Just use your imagination. You know. And of course, then they get offloaded on the trucks, on the trains. There's what might be inside of them, and okay, so it came from somewhere else. But be kind of careful going too far, because this is a world problem. What is this moth? What's the name of that moth? No, outstanding. That's it. That's it. Ah. Well, you got ahead of me. That's fantastic. That's exactly right. In North America, it's fall webworm. However, if you lived in China, you'd call it the American white moth. You know, sometimes people laugh at that. I mean, let's stop and think about it. I'm, I, anyone from Japan here? I, I, if there was, I'd ask, well, what do you call Japanese beetle in Japan? Probably not Japanese beetles, right? I mean... Got to be a little redundant. This has been introduced to China, and with no natural enemies, it's wreaking havoc. I mean, here in North America, it's native. We have all kinds of different predators and parasitoids. Those are parasitoid wasp pupae in the web. We can also handle them by hand. I mean, look at that. We can rip the, you know, the, the, the so often you don't have any more nests and you can just pull away with your hands. That was taking a bug cam. That's the last thing I ever see when you do that. 
if you're squeamish, you can do that. So far, no populations have become resistant to this. That's a drive home. <laughs> if they do, I'm leaving. In China, it's non-native, and it has been wreaking havoc. It's been killing, defoliating and killing fruit trees. So this problem of non-natives is a global event. It's many, many different directions. Europe the same way. If you look at EAB distribution in the United States, what do you see up here? By the way, this is July 1, but this is the most recent map posted uh, on the uh, emeraldashbore.com uh, website. Look at this. Look at that distribution. It means widespread infestations in multiple states. Many infestations, as many of this room already know, are dense. There's no way that we're going to eradicate it. But folks, this is the potential for other non-natives. It's the potential. EAB and ALB in North America, what do you see? If you look at the active ALB infestations, they're the red, and by the way, the circles aren't the size of the infestations. If they actually had the size of the infestation, you could hardly see them. But you can see there's been some infestations eradicated with ALB, there've been some that are not. What's the difference that you see right away compared to emerald ash borer? Not many infestations, not many. This is a good thing. So ALB in North America, relatively small, distinct infestations. The goal then is eradication, and eradication has been successful, as you just saw. Chicago had seven infestations. You want to hear from Chicago? It was really tough. It was really tough in Chicago, but they took care of it. Uh, New York City, some of the boroughs where they really looked bad. By the way, it was first discovered in 1996 in Brooklyn when a tree grew there. That's age-related. The younger folks are like, what? <laughs> but eradication is occurring there as well. So eradication can occur if the non-native invasive is discovered soon enough if it's discovered soon enough. Turning the tide, turning the tide. It starts with things like import regulations, thank God, and they've been cranked up. In 2006, there was a major change in regulations. Detection aimed at discovering any new infestations. Quarantines preventing the movement of material or the insect themselves. Extensive surveying aimed at learning the boundaries should a, a non-native be discovered. Tree removal, if appropriate, depending on the species. Insecticide treatment, also if appropriate. Not all these non-natives are insecticides, the primary tool that we can use. Asian longhorn beetle, it will not kill the larvae in the xylem. So it's used in conjunction with other tools. And continual extensive survey. Seven things that the regulators and you now, what am I doing here? You're thinking, well, it's somebody else's problem. It isn't. And you need to be involved with. And you need to be involved with. Which brings up partnerships. There you go. When you're wrangling these big things, I got to tell you, you need a partner there, you know, and you're trying to get rid of them, you know. <laughs> I tell you, yeah, Vermeer down here, I should bring them up. Let them see what we're using for in Bethel, right? That's John Butcher, so you know him, he's actually won climbing championships with the ISA, very, very good arborist, and he is doing, helping us while he's dressed up like that. That tree behind him is heavily infested with Asian longhorn beetle because this is a hands-on training session that we got approval to do with arborists coming in and actually seeing the infestation. 
we dissected the tree. There's Big John, his uncle, cutting it up. And if you look closely, look at the exit holes. You cannot have better training than that, can you? You cannot have better training than that. Partnerships. This event. And back in Toronto, I and my colleague Amy Stone, Asian Longhorn Beetle, Emerald Ashworth, the Tail Two Beetles. So partnerships, partnerships. And with extension specialists, land grant universities, land grant universities. Now we'll start with our host university here in Florida, University of Florida Extension, one of the best in the country. Outstanding extension. Then let's go with OSUs. <laughs> I was waiting, yes. Oh, there. <laughs> <laughs> I said, <laughs> Oregon State University, outstanding extension, fills back there, teaches forestry, and works with Oregon State uh, Forestry, right? Both? Paul. I said, Phil. Oh, that you're, that's your brother. I'm sorry. <laughs> he claims he's the better looking one, though. I don't want to. <laughs> so, Oregon State, outstanding, outstanding. Oklahoma State, we're moving the OSUs, we're moving east. These are all land grants. I want you to notice here, they're going to need training. May not, there's a UAV training. Look at that, remote control, remote, oh, that's something that's coming along. Of course, Extension does other things too. There's shooting sports. Let's hope they're not doing them together, right? Pull. <laughs> and, and then the OSU I work for, Ohio State University. Our land grant system's been around since 1862. Extension's been around for now over 100 years. So these are partners that we can all work together. All work together, but extension is about education. OSU, our Ohio State mission is research-based educational programming. That's very important in times like these. We're not regulatory. We partner though, and I think very effectively, and a lot of fun partnering, partnering with folks that are in the regulatory side of things, like the best the best acronym in the world, USDA Animal and Plant Health Inspection Service, APHIS. If this is the first time you've ever heard that acronym, make it the last time it's the first time you ever heard it because you do need to go online and look into what they do because they are our best friends. And then you need to find out what you can do to help with this stemming the tide because that's what they do. But they are regulatory. They are the law, if you will just like our departments of agriculture and elsewhere. We partner in messaging with emerald ash borer, Asian longhorn beetle, that's thousand cankers disease. We also have an infestation of that in Ohio. And there are some problems sometimes of regulatory messaging. If you drive around Ohio, you see these signs. Will they really call? <laughs> yeah, it's me again. My mile marker 35. <laughs> Come and get me. For those of you who are not from the United States, Europe, you have an outstanding. The EU has outstanding work going on with biosecurity. So I, instead of putting these long uh, web addresses, just, just Eurofight. Eurofight is the European Union's notification system for plant health and interception. So you can find out what is happening. What is happening? If you're in Canada, Canada Crop Biosecurity, just type that in. Google search that. Everyone in this room, you should know your federal and state regulatory agency. I can't stress it enough. I can't stress that enough. Australia, Australian government invasive. Type that in. You'll find 
and of course the USDA Animal Plant Health Inspection Service. And if you go one step further, PPQ is a plant protection and quarantine. They are the real people that work hard to guard our borders against non-native uh, uh, pests coming in. And this is really something. USDA Stakeholders Registry, if you Google search that, you can give them your email, and then you'll be notified of major events. Like for example, Emerald Ash Borer regulated area expands to include entire state of Maryland. That's good to know. Say, oh my gosh. Or if there's another Asian longhorn beetle infestation discovered. So far there hasn't been uh, since uh, actually the second one found outside of Toronto, but uh, after the one in Toronto was, was eradicated, but so far so good, but this is where you would get that. You'd get that notification that something's going on. So turning the tide on trees pests. I put this together because as you know, I love acronyms now, right? I've been working with federal agencies, <laughs> but they're very effective. Stop non-native pests. What I mean, suspicious, train, own, publicize. Stop non-native pests. What do I mean by this, by suspicious? Be suspicious of the unusual. <laughs> now this is something that is very hard to do because we're all busy. We all go from point A to point B too fast. Well, I, I don't know what that insect is. I'm sure somebody knows, but I don't have time to chase it down. I've never seen that before, but I just don't have time to chase it down. Uh, oh, you know, look at this walnut with the dye back, and uh, eh, it's got to be something else. I just don't have time to chase it down. Well, that's thousand cankers disease, folks. Think about this. There's an ash tree. Before 2002, what would we have said about that tree? Think about it. Emerald ash borer was lurking in the trees before 2001 when it was discovered in Michigan. Now think about this. Before 2001, if you saw a larva in a live ash tree that looks like that, looks like a miniature tapeworm, there's no native borer that does that. Not a single one. If you'd have seen D-shaped holes in a live ash tree, there's no native borer that does that. If you'd have seen that beetle, we don't have any like that. Yet this beetle was on the rampage for 20 years before it was discovered. Dendrochronology studies have shown that to be the case. So there's a dead ash tree. What did we say in 2001? Well, gosh, this probably, uh, you know, assault from the road, maybe it got hit by a car, I don't know. It's, uh, oh, it's ash declined. Do you remember that one? <laughs> Yeah, ash decline. What is that? Anytime we don't know what killed the tree, we call it that. Oak decline. Well, sounds good. And if you say it in low voice, people are you going know, to say, oak decline. Say, oak decline. <laughs> non native tree pests. Look what happened because we didn't take a second look. Suspicious. Be suspicious. Don't let it lay. If you can't identify it, it doesn't mean it's just something that you don't know. It may be that no one else can identify it, and then you know you're in trouble, right? That's like when you go to the doctor and they say, hey, come look at this, <laughs> to their colleagues. 
What's this beetle? We'll test. Got a good mumbling? What is it? That's what you think, except it's actually citrus longhorn beetle. And you think ALB is bad. This thing actually goes after the same genera, including conifers, some conifers. It has even a wider host range. Doesn't it look a lot like ALB? There's ALB. Now take a look at the spots on ALB. They're a little bit more indistinct, a little more random, whereas if you look at citrus longhorn beetle, well, no, they both curve their antennae. They both curve their antennae. There's also two white spots. You can't see it on the cephalothorax, but you're not going to see that, folks. If you see a beetle that looks like ALB, what are you going to do? No, don't just take a picture. That's good. That's good. You, wanna, you, you do want to do, well, like I said, what people are telling me to do all the time. You want to seek professional help. <laughs> they mean well. Take a picture's okay, but that's not the end of it. That's not the end of it, because both these beetles, this beetle has been found, obviously, in Europe and North America. Citrus longhorn beetle has not been found yet in North America as established infestations. There were established infestations, by established meaning that they're in trees outside. There were established infestations found in Europe. It is, it is a scary beetle. It's a scary beetle. But getting back to her point, the key diagnostic features very quickly look for round holes, and both these beetles are going to do that. Round holes, almost perfectly round. Now this is a male emergence holes. The females are a little bit bigger, so they're a little larger. And those holes, because this, the larvae of Asian longhorn beetle, as a matter of fact, a citrus longhorn beetle, go into the xylem where they develop. They're deep in the tree. I can stick a pencil in that hole and it'll go deep in the tree. It's called a pencil test. If it is a phloem feeding borer, What's going to happen when you try to stick a pencil in? Not, it's not going to go anywhere. So that's a good test. What am I looking at right here? These pits. The female chews pits. She takes a long time to chew through the bark, through the phloem, through the little three cell layer thick cambium, right down to the surface of the xylem where she lays one egg per pit, thankfully. That means that's one reason the populations of Asian longhorn beetle don't mushroom too fast, because they're very deliberate. Emerald ash borer is different. You watch those females, it's just like, oh, there's an egg, oh, there's an egg, I don't care. Throw an egg over there. They, <laughs> they lay their eggs very fast, pretty indiscriminately. And then frass, it looks like, it looks like excelsior. Bark splitting because it's a borer and it does spend a little time in the phloem, which then exposes the surrounding cambial tissue to oxygen. What happens? when cambium is exposed to oxygen, what kind of, it produces a different, all kinds of different, uh, different type of tissue, wound or callous tissue that then cracks the bark. And of course, broken branches, broken branches. Every infestation so far of Asian longhorn beetle, there's been a, a huge enhancement of branch breakage. A and in fact, that's helped with the discovery. So let's say there's been a bit of a windstorm, you go out to clean up. Instead of just, well, the wind broke the branches, start looking at the ends of the branches. If it is a live maple branch that looks like that, live branch that looks like that, you, you, you need to report it. We have no native borers that do that in maple. 
That's very important. And of course, I have the adult here, but the adults can be found, you know, we have, we, I have a lot of pictures where I've taken them on trees. This is on a house. Oh, well, that's good, because the last beetle found in Chicago is actually walking down the sidewalk. Has old Tarsi out waiting for the bus. <laughs> I'm going to go to Ohio. <laughs> I don't know, or New Mexico. All right. Train. What do I mean by this? Obviously, you know what I mean by this. Yeah, uh, Sunday, we had great... Had great fun with the diagnostic workshop. Every chance you get, training. So be suspicious. Take advantage of all training available in non-native tree pests. You can see that we did not talk much about them, but we had a nice diagnostic workshop Sunday, and there were the non-natives. There's Asian longhorn beetle, and there's thousand cankers. Every chance you can get, train. And pay close attention to new detections, what to look for and how to report it. ALB was discovered in Ohio in midsummer. It was officially announced June the 17th. On June the 23rd, we had our first classroom training, less than, than seven days later. Well, on Friday, we had that hands-on, we had that hands-on training. Uh, in September, I'm sorry, September, uh, we had a hands-on training where, we, where the arbors were involved, partnerships, partnerships. You can see these, in fact, yeah, everyone in the picture, except for this gentleman right here who works uh, for the city of Cincinnati, are professional arborists. He's a professional arborist, but he works for the city. These all work for private companies. They were partners in this program. Huge, huge. Looking at infested trees, what to see. So partners, local tree care companies, ISA chapter, Ohio chapter, USDA APHIS. What am I telling you? When you get back, wherever you are based, Start thinking about this. Start thinking about how can you maybe get in touch. Now, extension is different throughout the United States. Maybe your local extension office doesn't have a person directly involved with tree care, but they will have people that are involved with tree care at that university of some form or fashion. Hook up and say, look, we would really like to have occasional training on non-native invasive pests. We love that. Oh, high five. <laughs> Perfect, perfect. Time's going good. Now, National Plant Diagnostic Network. It's not, you didn't get whiplash all of a sudden. My gosh, what the slides all changed. This is the actual slide that you're going to see an Asian longhorn beetle training. It's going to be offered online through the National Plant Diagnostic Network. I and two other folks are putting this together. And there's the website. It's going to be for first detector training. So if you you want to go to first, you don't need to tell you, just firstdetector.org, all one word, you can, you can keep up with this. You can find out the developments. We're, there are going to be eight modules. We've just finished the last module, and then it has to be uh, reviewed and a few other things, and it should be coming up, I hope, over the next probably about a month, I would say, out. But pay attention. That's training that can be done in your offices. Own. What do we mean by that? With stop. Own. Own your responsibility as a tree care professional. I'm not trying to preach, but think about it. We are all in this together. If Asian longhorn beetle or an unknown, who's to say that citrus longhorn beetle is not in the United States? Or an unknown. And then look what we're dealing with with thermal dashboard. Report suspicious finds. You can report it by using the APHIS website. That is the true, that is the way APHIS website has right on there, report it. 
It is a easy to remember, AsianLonghornBeetle.com, all one word. This is just revamped, so you can do it that way, and that's pretty nice. And right there, you can't really see that. See what happens when you sit in the back? This is an eye test. What's on the third line? <laughs> Mumble. Now, this gets to the, the young lady over here who said, okay, take a picture. This is actually the reporting process and confirmation process. Now, I'm using Asian longhorn beetle as an example, but this is pretty much the way it's going to be for any non-native invasive. First is report a suspicious tree or beetle to one of the following. Your state regulatory agency. Your university extension may be helpful with this. An ALB eradication program if your state has an infestation or directly to USDA APHIS. So you report a suspicious tree and you're probably thinking, I don't want to have these. I don't want to bother these people. And look, I can tell you firsthand, they would much prefer to have a report of something that isn't Asian longhorn beetle than to not get a report that is Asian longhorn beetle. Does everybody follow what I just said? I mean, the first outcome, we're happy. And believe me, because I kind of helped down my way, and you know, sometimes you get the report thinking, oh, geez. And you go out, you know, and you find, well, it's a dead maple with big holes in it. Those are native serumbicids. Oh, gosh, thanks. And then you embarrass yourself in front of the homeowner kissing the tree. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> well, you don't have to do that, but the point of it is you'll be happy. You'll be happy to get the non, because that means you're more likely in that net to get the true Asian longhorn beetle. A regulatory officer will investigate, examine trees, look for holes, and this is why the picture is not entirely the right way to go. Because if only holes are found, other trees are examined, what's the goal in number four? To find beetles or larvae. Because specimens are then shipped to an ALB entomology specialist for positive ID. Now notice whether it is an adult or a larva. Morphometric means what it looks like in different measurements, but DNA is now used for both to confirm. That's important with the longhorn beetles. So DNA analysis, and then finally a public announcement is made. Six steps. Now why I took exception is because if you notice, the beetle and larval specimens are critical for confirmation. So again, the picture is good, but if you have the beetle in front of you, what are you going to do with it? Well, collect it and either send it, make arrangements. That's, are you with APHIS? Because you really do know this. Oh, I recognize you. That's right. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. FBI. <laughs> Five minutes. So preserve enough ethyl alcohol. That's okay. What kind of alcohol is that? Well, you can get this at pharmacies, but let's not waste good alcohol, right? I mean, <laughs> I should use it for something else. Come on, I tell you. <laughs> Actually, I consider freezing to be outstanding. In a glass jar, a white glass, because you put a live Asian longhorn beetle in a plastic bag, and it's just going to laugh at you. They will. They make little noises, and they'll chew out. And then your wife comes and opens the freezer. Surprise. <laughs> Not that that ever happened to me. So freeze it, and then make arrangements to ship it. That's what I'm saying. That beetle is sacred. So don't leave it in the front of the truck, you know, in the wind. Oh, it wants to warm up up there, you know. Important. Do this. Don't speculate before this happens. This is the ownership part of things in a big way, folks, because 
you don't want to hear. Next time you hear somebody say, oh, I've seen those beetles, ask them, well, why didn't you report it? And in your head go, putz. Because, <laughs> because look at what they've just said. Oh, I've seen it. Doesn't matter. That's putting us all at risk if, it, if, if it's true. People, though, want to know stuff, don't they? We all do. The point is, take to task anyone who actually says that. And then if you have reported, don't say, oh, yeah, I saw it and I reported it. Because what happens if it isn't? Just stay mum until it's officially announced, if it turns out to be. Publicize. Publicize that your company is actively monitoring for non-native pests. Inform your clients and customers and add it to your website. If you are a first detector, if you become that, advertise it. You are helping to protect this country or Europe or Australia or Canada from the non-native pests. So, suspicious, train, oops, just encapsulate. I'm on time, I can't believe it. Train, own, and publicize. Focus on your love of trees. One of my favorite quotes, actually. The clearest way into the universe is through a forest wilderness. That's what we're all here about, right? Protecting trees, appreciating trees, whether it's in a landscape or a forest. And with two minutes left, any quick questions? Yes? We, you saw that picture of the shipping containers and all those wooden pallets that come with them. Why aren't we all banding together as the ISA professionals we are, sitting down with our trade delegations and saying, why don't we all agree to stop shipping wood pallets and just ship plastic recycled pallets? I am not worthy. <laughs> no, no, actually, uh, I, I don't disagree with you one bit. Um, did everybody hear what she was saying? And, and, and there is a move because it also connects to recycling plastic. There's actually several companies, one very successful company out in, in California where that's what they do. They, they take plastic that otherwise would be thrown away and turn it into pallets that then can be used for shipping. Now, you know, the forest products industry is not happy with that idea, except on the other hand, it's just what you're saying. It's saying, look, there's no way that that's going to be infested. On the other and I, and I also like what you're saying, too, in terms of the ISA just becoming involved in general. Not, I'm not saying anything bad about that. I'm saying us, the ISA, all of us becoming involved in general as tree care professionals. Other question? Yes. I have two things. Uh, first thing, uh, one city that was also eradicated was Boston. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And, yeah. I, and that was up there. That's yeah. what that little thing next to. So you must be from Massachusetts, I can I am tell. Yes. <laughs> I'm actually an ALB climber. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's fantastic. Oh, does everybody so, hear what she does? Okay. I'm sorry. Uh, ALB climber. That is, I mean, you, again, uh, we cannot thank enough for what APHIS does relative to uh, sending people up trees to make absolutely certain you know, that they are either infested or not. So that's, I'm sorry, yeah. It's okay, the other thing I just wanted to comment to that was if we incorporate more plastic pallets into the world, we already have a plastic problem. That's and these pallets- Taking the recycle, the problem, and making it a solution to another problem. Right, the, the only thing I would add to that is that plastics don't ever go away, so they just photodegrade. So we have a giant plastic problem in the ocean, and if one of these containers, container of 19,000 container, fell yeah. over and plastic pallets, all, we have more plastic in the ocean, wood does degrade in the ocean, and it's mandatory that all pallets are bromide treated with a methyl bromide and or kiln it's dry. It's true, it's true, yeah. So, yeah, good points, yeah. good points. 
Thank All right, you thanks very everyone. Much. Good points. <laughs> this concludes Joe Boggs' presentation on non-native tree pests. To learn more about managing tree pests, you can find additional materials at the ISA web store, including the book Pest Management in the Landscape by Christopher Lully and Tree Pests and Disease, an Arborist Field Guide by Guy Watson. If you would like to receive CEUs for listening to this lecture, visit the ISA online store and select Online CEU Quizzes. Thank you for listening to this episode brought to you by Bartlett Tree Experts caring for America's trees since 1907. Remember to subscribe to this podcast series and join us next time for another episode of Science of Arboriculture. Trees in every country. Trees, you know we can. Work together and learn what we need to meet the challenge. Traditional skills and modern techniques. Whatever language you speak, you have a world to offer every day. Climb with the ISA.